Welcome to the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique and Vince here, and we're all about helping you develop and fill the areas of void in your leadership. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Leadership Void Podcast. I'm Enrique and my co-host Vince, and today we're blessed. Look, once you get a hold of this guy right here, you're going to be blessed by all he shares, his rich history with the military. But we're celebrating a birthday. I'm going to let Vince introduce. Absolutely. I'm so excited today to be joined by retired Chief Mass Sergeant of the Air Force, number 15, Rod McKinley from South Carolina. He is celebrating with us the 74th birthday of our Air Force. So welcome to our show, Chief. Please tell us a little bit about you and your evolution in the Air Force. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here to, to talk about our 75th anniversary of our great Air Force. Uh, you know, I grew up in southwestern Ohio, a small farming community, and, and uh, me and a couple of buddies decided to join the Air Force when I was 18, straight out of high school. So we went to basic training on the buddy system. And uh, we went through basic training. And, and after that, one went to Monterey, California to learn Vietnamese. And the other one went to Offutt, Nebraska. And I went to Seymour Johnson, North Carolina. So that was so much for the buddy system. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I spent uh, some time there at Seymour Johnson. I was a medic back then. I worked in the emergency room. I, I loved the job and, and great experiences there. And and then in uh, 1977, we were downsizing the military because of the end of Vietnam and so forth. And, and uh, they offered me an early out. And like a dummy, I took the early out and I got out of the Air Force. And uh, without even thinking, without even looking at benefits or whatever, and I was out for almost four and a half years and uh, did several things. I went back and worked in an emergency room as a, as a, with my medical experience from the Air Force. and enjoyed that, but I, I missed the Air Force and, and, uh, and wanted the security for the family and decided to come back in the Air Force. So I came back in the Air Force in April of 1982, and the Air Force said that there was only, for prior service, there was only two jobs open, and that was being a crew chief for weapons, and I decided to be a crew chief. And I got stationed at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base, South Carolina, working on the A-10. And at that point in time, I decided that I was going to make the Air Force a career and I was going to be the very best airman that I possibly could be. So I, I worked at being the best crew chief I could be. And uh, I was successful and, and did well. And uh, I did that for several years. And then uh, when I got a line number for Master Sergeant, they told me that uh, because we were doing away with the F-4 and the A-10, this is 1990 that I had to cross train. And remember 1990, we were doing away with the A-10. And so that's when I became a first sergeant and I was a first sergeant for 10 years. And uh, I absolutely loved being a first sergeant. That was my favorite job in my Air Force career because I could directly help and take care of people. And, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And then from that, uh, I went on to being a command chief at all the levels. And then I was fortunate to be selected to be uh, the chief master sergeant of the Air Force. And, uh, and the rest is kind of history. 
That's an amazing history indeed. And undoubtedly, you've seen many changes come about the Air Force. One that we're experiencing right now, which is the Space Force, and in its inception, uh, it's amazing to see how much the Air Force has changed, even with a Navy background, because I was uh, most of the time I was on an Air Force base, and I thank God for that because the child was great, the environment was great, but the people were greater, right? So I, I love the Air Force and all that you guys have done for us. So tell us, uh, 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 Chief, that what changes have you seen that, uh, you know, throughout that uh, just stand out to you as some pivotal changes for the Air Force? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, there's, there's so many, and I'll just kind of list a few of them. I think one of them is our combat capability of the Air Force. Uh, with the weapon systems that we have today, uh, you know, I mean, back, you know, when I came in, we were flying A7s, uh, F4s, and, you know, C-141s and so forth. Uh, but the, the capabilities we have today uh, is incredible when you think about a B-2, uh, can take off and fly anywhere in the world with just a couple people. And it can strategically strike about 85 different targets and then fly back home to Whiteman, Missouri, uh, go to the commissary and pick up a loaf of bread and gallon of milk and say, honey, I'm home. You know, <laughs> uh, so versus having to send a whole bunch of aircraft like we did in World War II to bomb a, a ball bearing factory, and we lose, you know, a whole bunch of the the the, the B-17s and, and a lot of airmen. Uh, we can send one plane that can strategically take out so many targets. So the combat capability we have with the F-35, F-22, uh, you know, and you know, B-1, B B-2, etc. The combat capability is is just amazing. So from 1974. To when I to right now, that's a tremendous change. But then also you think about to go with that is our assets that we have in space and and how valuable space is for the future. I mean, back then, you know, that was just five years removed from us walking on the moon and and so forth. And and we have gone so much farther. Uh, since then, our satellites uh, that we have up there right now and what they, you, whenever you go get gas and you put in your credit card, it's because of our Air Force satellites that you can do that. Um, so, you know, you go from space and then you go from cyber, you know, there's the cyber capabilities we have. And, and also to, cyber didn't exist. I don't think the word even existed when I came in, but now cyber uh, is so incredible, and the threats that we have from cyber uh, are real. I, mean, I think when I was in the office in the Pentagon, we were getting like 6 million cyber attacks per day in the Pentagon, and I'm sure that has increased dramatically since that period of time, uh, because you have other countries that 24 hours a day are doing cyber attacks to try to get everything they can from us. So you, you think about combat capability, you think about space, you think about um, cyber. There's three big things right there. Another thing I think is, is, is the internet. You know, uh, when, along with the internet that came in, you know, as things have changed tremendously just because of the internet 
and the capability that you have to have contact. And when I was growing up in the military as an NCO and so forth, we knew there was a chief master sergeant of the Air Force. We knew that person existed, but you never saw him. I never saw him. Uh, and we didn't get emails or anything else because it didn't exist. There would be uh, maybe a letter come out from the chief master sergeant of the Air Force, and it would be posted on the safety board. So if you went by and read the safety board, then you could hear what the, the chief master sergeant, read what the chief master sergeant of the Air Force was thinking. But, you know, if you didn't, you know, you just knew they existed. But today, if number 19 says something, it can be around the world in a matter of seconds. You know, so social media and how that plays with uh, our leadership and our Air Force and all branches of service, that's a tremendous change from when I came in. Another change I, I think about is, you know, for, for instance, pay. You know, uh, when I came in in 1974, my monthly pay was $326.10 a month. And I was happy to get it. You know, I thought that was a lot of money. But now, I mean, that, that's just basically separate rations, you know? You know, so the pay is tremendous. A, a brand new airman coming in the Air Force today uh, makes a whole lot more money than the first chief master sergeant of the Air Force did, Paul Airy, when he was the chief. So pay has dramatically increased, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Another thing is women. Uh, women back, back then, you know, there was only certain jobs that they could do. And I think when I came in, there was probably four or 5,000 chief master sergeants in the Air Force. And, and I looked this data up, and at that time, there were only 12 female chiefs. And uh, so you think about how it's evolved since then that we, we now have, we've had female secretaries of the Air Force. We have a female chief master sergeant in the Air Force. We have females in special forces. And so females aren't taking classes on how to do their makeup anymore. Uh, females can basically do anything that they want to do as long as they meet the requirements, you know, and that's like any airman. If you can meet the requirements, then you can do that job. So that's just a few of the changes, and I could expound on each one of those even more, but the changes from when I came in to right now are astronomical. Thanks for taking us on that journey uh, of the history of your inception in the Air Force and all the evolutions that have evolved from, from day one. And as you mentioned, the strategic capabilities of air has changed significantly to the missions. And you talked about space now, the, how important that is to, incre to, to increase our capabilities. Even pumping gas, our satellites are, are chiming in. That's uh, true. Cyber and of course uh, the internet. And to our Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass, you know, what a wonderful thing to go full circle and see the diversity of our, our forces in, internally. So combining the fight and the air. And now talking about where we're at today, going towards the future, uh, Chief, what do you say about the future of the Air Force? Well, you know, I, I, I know General Brown very well, and uh, I think he's an incredible leader. And I think he has a, a vision that may be a little bit different, but needed uh, because of the time that he spent in the Pacific. Uh, he knows the threats that we have in the Pacific. And I think he, uh, he's gonna do a great job of trying to organize, train, equip 
to get our Air Force ready for whatever may come in the future. So it's a it's a very different time, uh, you know, with our, you know, deciding, you know, what airplanes we need to keep, uh, what air, aircraft we need to develop, uh, how many airmen we need to do the jobs. Uh, we now have a space command. So um, it's, uh, I, I think that, you know, our, uh, our Air Force is in good hands. Uh, one thing that we need to maintain is in April 1953 uh, was the last time that we had any, any Americans killed by an opposing Air Force. And we had two people killed in the Korean War by basically a Russian biplane that came in and killed, you know, a couple of people on the ground. But since that day in April 1953, our Air Force has maintained air superiority. And, and that's a huge thing that no matter where we go around the globe, that we can maintain that air superiority for that airspace is important. So going in the future, uh, we have real threats out there. We have other countries with fifth generation aircraft and so forth. And we need to be able to make sure that our Air Force maintains air superiority wherever we go, whenever we, whenever we go and, and uh, protects all our people on the ground. Yeah, you, you mentioned that ability to control the airspace, and that is something that we indeed have done. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's always being uh, pushed. The limit is always being pushed by other forces, other countries, um, you know, and if you look in the news long enough, you'll find some instances where you look at some of the aircraft and some of their capability and say, wow, uh, we did not know that was coming about from them. And you would be surprised. So thank you for sharing that with me and us. And uh, as we're speaking here, let's talk a little bit about leadership and the things that you have learned throughout your time as growing up in the Air Force, in the chief spot, and then transitioning to, you know, chief master sergeant in the Air Force. I'm sure you have a lot of pearls of wisdom but if you wouldn't mind sharing some of those with us today for the listeners. Well, well, thank you for the kind words. Um, you know, I just, one of the things that I did early on was I like to observe people and I like to observe people, how they lead. And so, uh, so I, I think there was a lot of people for me growing up as a young airman in NCO that I observed the positives and the negatives how they led, how they got things done, and how they treated people. And, and, I, and so I, I would take those little nuggets from the people, the positives and the negatives, and I'd say, man, that person is a great leader. I, I like how they inspire people. I, I like how they get the job done. And, and it's, a, it's a lasting leadership. I'm going to take those nuggets. I'm going to put it in my leadership toolbox. Then there's other ones who yell and curse and make people do things, uh, and I'm going like, that's not me. Uh, that will not go in my leadership toolbox. And so that was part of my learning growing up as far as me developing and becoming a leader is, is you know, how to get the job done. Uh, first and foremost, you got to make sure that people know how to do the job that we pay them to do. For, for every AFSC, for every job that we pay them, make sure they know that job the best they can be. And that means 
first off, you got to know the job, you know, so you got you got to walk the talk. I mean, you, it's one thing to go out there and, and say, well, you got to do this and that, but do you know how to do it? And sometimes you got to be over their shoulder and you got to help them and you got to show them. And that brings credibility. So as a leader, you have to have credibility, you know, in, in everything that you do. If you're going to talk about it, you got to have credibility, you know, and it's how you treat people. And, and you know, one of the, I wear a bracelet right now. I've been wearing this for lots of years. I mean, 15 years or whatever. This bracelet is for suicides, you know, approximately 22 a day in our military retirees, you know, and so one of the things to combat suicides is it's about relationships. It's getting to know your people, you know, how you treat them. Uh, for instance, if you have an, an, an airman, sailor, marine out there, and, and they're having trouble, and uh, they're having, you know, whether it be financial, whether it be marriage or whatever, health or whatever. And if you have, and if, and if they don't trust you, they don't come to you and they, they don't tell you their problems and you have no opportunity to help them because they may, their problems may lead to a suicide attempt or even a successful suicide. But if you develop a relationship, you get to know them, you walk around, you pat them on the back and, and tell them they're doing a good job or tell them how to do things better. You ask about their family, you get to know them and you, you know them as a person. If they're having troubles, then they will probably come to you and say, you know, hey, Sergeant McKinley, I'm, I'm having problems. Can you help me? And you talk to them. And if you can help them, or maybe you need to refer them to the chaplain, maybe we need to refer them to mental health. But, you know, good leadership is, is about caring about your people to make sure that they become the best at their job that they possibly can be, but also to treat them with dignity and respect and get to know them. So that was always a philosophy for me. And every level of leadership is, is uh, to how you treat people. You know, you know yeah, I, I know I was the chief master sergeant of the Air Force and that's a big thing and all that, but you know, I never felt that I was any, anything better than the lowest airman first class because you know, I'm a Christian. And I believe when I go to, you know, when it's time for me to go to heaven, it's, it's not going to be, well, sure, you were the chief master in the Air Force. Come on in. It doesn't work that way, you know. And so uh, I think to be, a, 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 first off, be a good person, you know, and, and being a good person and, and everything does not mean you're weak. You know, it takes strength to, and inner confidence to be able to do these things to go out there and, and uh, the, the bully, it's really easy to be a bully. You just yell and scream, get this done. But do you inspire confidence in your people? And is that going to be long lasting? You know, and, and are they going to come to you if they, if they have problems? Probably not. Probably not. So I think just, uh, you know, I think kindness, even though you're in the military, kindness goes a long way. And like I said, that doesn't mean you're weak. I don't. I never coddled my people. I remember, I was a first sergeant for ten years, you know. Uh, but you don't need to yell and scream. You just need to tell people, you know, what they did wrong, how to correct the behavior, and what the consequences are if they don't. And I've always said also, my greatest accomplishment in my Air Force career 
was not that I made chief, not that I was number 15, but my greatest accomplishment in my career was people, you know, because of taking people that were going down the wrong path and because I cared about them, because I grabbed them and got their attention. And later I saw them go on and they had a successful Air, Air Force career and they stayed in touch with me. I mean, what, what's better than that? You know, so that's just kind of my philosophy. It's about how you treat people, how you get people to excel at the top of their capabilities and, uh, you know, and, and be proud to be an airman. I'm just proud being an airman listening to you right now. <laughs> and I, I do appreciate everything you have done, how you uh, gave folks second chances and, you know, treat them as a human being as we all are. And no matter where you are in the ladder or in the rank structure, we all the same at the end of the day. So thank you for taking care of our greatest resource people there, Chief. And that's great wisdom, great tips. Um, let us know now what leadership tips or advice would you give our upcoming airmen into the future? Well, I, number one is, I think, like I said before, the most important thing is how well you do your job. You know, uh, you know I, I've seen um, airmen where their whole concentration may be on other things outside of their job, whether it be the great Air Force Sergeants Association or this or that, and they concentrate on these things. But the most important thing you should be concentrating on is being, you know, the best you can at your job. So number one, uh, as an airman, you know, be the best that you can at your, at your job. Uh, and I talk to many uh, first-term airmen centers, so these are things that I tell the young airmen, even Airman Leadership School, is, and, and it's also, Choose wisely who you hang out with, you know. Uh, it's, it's the same thing as a parent, you know. If you're going to hang out with thugs, you're going to be seen as a thug. If you're going to hang out with people who steal, you're going to be seen as a thief. So choose to hang out with credible, good people that are doing good things. And to uh, for the young people coming up is, you know, watch your finances, you know. Uh, you may not need to have that brand new Camaro out in the, out in the, dormitory parking lot, you know, so, you know, watch your finances, uh, save for the future. Uh, and, uh, and the other thing is, you know, work on your physical and mental well-being. You know, I'm very much into physical fitness. So, you know, to, to stay physically fit, uh, you know, eat a healthy lifestyle, but also work on your mental health and uh, do a lot of reading. Read about our great Air Force history because our Air Force history is amazing. Uh, and I, I still go around and I do speeches and I, I speak a lot about our Air Force history because it's just, just incredible. So, you know, as young airmen, learn about those people that came before us, like, you know, Bud Day, uh, John Chapman, Jason Cunningham, et cetera, et cetera. Amazing history. Learn about what our airmen did in World War II flying in the B-17s and how difficult that was trying to get to the 25th mission. Learn about the Berlift Air, Berlin Airlift where we saved you know, millions of, of, of Germans in West Germany and, uh, you know, and about the, 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 the candy dropper. You know, uh, learn about you know, what we've done in, in, in Vietnam. Uh, you know, just amazing things in our Air Force history that we should all be proud of. And, 
And those things are really what kind of led us into uh, the Yerman's Creed, that with General Mosey, we, uh, we developed the Yerman's Creed that we want Airmen to be proud to be Airmen. And that's an Airman with a capital A, whether you're enlisted, officer, guard, or reserve, we're Airmen. And we should all be proud to be Airmen, just like a Marine is proud to be a Marine for life. You know, so, uh, you know, for young Airmen coming in, uh, there's a tremendous history that came before you. Learn about that. Learn about what your Air Force has really accomplished in the past. Learn about those people in your Air Force history and be proud to wear that uniform that says United States Air Force. Amazing tips indeed. And I echo them as well as learning your history because if you know where and how far you have come, you learn a new perspective as to where to chart to the next North Star, right? It's, uh, it's wonderful uh, to hear that. And I encourage every new airman that's listening to take those tips and, and make it their own. Uh, you will see a lot of success. Now, uh, Chief, it has been a, a blessing, a true blessing to sit here and listen to you, uh, not only because of your history, uh, but what you're sharing is so solid. If someone wanted to uh, get that same benefit uh, in, in a way, how, how could they uh, contact you, reach you uh, to have those types of conversations? Well, it's really easy. Uh, I'm on Facebook, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Getter. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, and, you know, I've been blessed that so many people have reached out to me, for instance, on Facebook. I mean, I think for my birthday, I, I had like 2,000 people wish me happy birthday. And I replied to every single one of them. Because I, my feeling is, and my wife, it, it drives my wife crazy, but I spend my birthday not doing anything for myself, but I spend my birthday replying to every single person because I care about the people. You know, if someone is going to take the time to send me a message, uh, I'm, I, I feel a responsibility to not just say like, but to actually respond to them and say thank you. You know, so uh, if someone wants to get in touch with me that, you know, there's there's social media, I'm all I'm out there. They can get in touch with me. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say keep it clean, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, there's there's no ego on my part. But, you know, if you get in touch with me, I'll, I'll respond. Well, you heard it first from the chief. He's on all social media channels and he will respond, even taking time out of his birth born year. To, to answer and and that's a true testament of a a leader who influences you know he walks the talk so thank you our number 15 retired chief master of the air force uh rod mckinley for being here what well, we also want you all to know that you can reach us if you have any uh guests that you like to bring on or any comments at the leadership void at gmail.com you can reach to reach us we do a couple other things. We do radio check, which is on the 1st and the 15th of every month, 1900, 7th Eastern, to just check in our brothers and sisters of the military and first responders. So that's a LinkedIn Live edition. And we're doing a subscription drive. If you reach out to our YouTube channel, hit link, hit, hit subscribe. You're going to enter in the drawing to win a book 
Standing You Owe, the Salute Edition by Scott McGregor, autographed copy. So go ahead and enter that drawing. And next week we hit another dynamic individual. But today we're honored. We're celebrating the 74th birthday of our best Air Force of the world, uh, the United States Air Force, with our number 15, the Chief Master Sergeant of Air Force, Rob McKinley. Rob McKinley, sir, thank you and have a great day. Thank you, guys. Uh, God bless. Take care of yourselves. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Board Podcast. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you are dealing with leadership issues, be sure to write us at theleadershipvoid at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.